Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. Stephanie Carter-Kelly. She's an orthopedic physical therapist who has 30 years of experience. She sees clients one-to-one, teaches group classes, and provides online programs using yoga as the primary intervention for healing chronic musculoskeletal pain. Her mission is to empower other mature women with chronic low back pain to confidently engage in an active lifestyle. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Stephanie, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Stephanie Carter-Kelly is a physical therapist, highly academic, who we just had last week on the podcast. And last week, you heard a story about coming out of, out of her pain, being a traditional physical therapist, having some success, of course, physical therapy is very helpful. They realized that people still weren't healing to the point that she thought was possible. So she layered in meditation, mindfulness, yoga, other modalities. But the bottom line is she arrived to the same conclusion that I did. It's about the body's fight or flight physiology as well as other modalities calms people down. So what I'm excited about personally is that mainstream medicine is on this pathway of just structure, structure, structure. And it's really the body's chemistry and physiology that, that determines symptoms, illness, and disease. So she's integrated yoga into traditional physical therapy with other processes. She works primarily with women. She offers online group sessions. And I will make a comment. There's a Dr. Sue Carter, who's a wife of another friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Porges, who is a queen of oxytocin. She's the nicest person ever. She's also, surprisingly, she's a little militant or more, or just flat militant is that women have been overlooked in research for decades. And so women have different hormone profiles, they have different chemical profiles. So I'm excited that you are focused on women's health because that's really a critical need that has not been met very well, both in medicine and also the chronic pain world. So Stephanie, um, welcome back to the podcast. And I'd like to pick up where we left off. Is that we didn't quite get to your the end of your story, where I know you started out with pain for years. You did physical therapy, you taught physical therapy. You started with yoga and started to heal. But I'm curious as to how your healing process played out and how you're doing now. Right. Thanks for having me back. Um, you know, I'll say this. I still have pain, but it doesn't hold me back. Honestly, it doesn't hold me back from anything that I want to do. And part of it is really recognizing what is it that I want to do, you know, and not being pushed into doing things that I don't want to do, <laughs> you know, and, and I will say that's, so mostly what I feel now is a lot of peace, accepting my body for what it is, um, not being, you know, not pressured by society in what it's supposed to look like, feel like, move like, be like. And so there's just a lot of peace in that. And, but I also know that that is going to be a process that I use for the rest of my life. So that's interesting you say that because I 
during my 15 years of chronic pain, back probably longer, um, I had 17 different symptoms. And it turns out that all chronic disease, mental and physical, are all inflammatory metabolic disorders. So your body is in a sustained fight or flight state, then it breaks down. So one of the things that happens routinely in people who actually heal from chronic pain completely, and by the way, I'll tell you, tell you your future, your pain is actually going to disappear. That's, it may take, I believe year, it may take that. five years. Well, it's repetition. In other words, you can't yeah. not, your brain gets programmed and you can program your brain around anything. But the biggest thing that you described, which I think is critical, is I actually have more physical pain from pad knees and stuff than I had when I was in quote chronic pain, but I don't have anxiety. I have lots of peace. Turns out anxiety is not psychological. It's a physiological state of fight or flight. You just feel yeah. threatened or anxious. Right. So that's a chemical state. And so what happens as far as the physical pain, you change your relationship to it. Here's right. you, here's the pain. That's it. You don't, you right. just don't react to it like you used to. Is that a first exactly. Thing? And I don't anticipate, you know, it used to be like, we went to a, a college basketball game, actually a great women's college basketball game, Ohio state the other day. And I didn't get to sit down the whole time. And normally I might be really scared about that. Like I would anticipate, oh, I'm going to have more pain because I can't sit down. No, I was in, no, I really wanted to go to the game. I was really excited about seeing them. Um, I don't know. I didn't worry about, I didn't even think about being in pain while right. I was at that game. Right. And I have gone, I've gone to other things like that, you know, 10 years ago where I'm like, oh my gosh, how, you know, like I have to have a cushion on my seat and I have to do this and I have to do that. And it's too loud. The noise would even agitate me, you know? Right. Um, so if you're engaged in activities that bring you great joy and the work, I think, is trying to figure out what those things are. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what do you mean the work? The work, the some of the coaching and the the in your reflection, the writing, like things I love, things I hate. I have, you know, I have my women write down things they hate, you know, and if it's a, if it's something that they hate but they can't avoid, we have to figure out now how do we how do we manage that? How do we respond to it? How do we um, how do we prepare better for that? How do we build resiliency of body, mind, and spirit so that we can still engage in things that we have to do, but we don't love to do, you know? So it's, it's so much more than these three exercises are going to eliminate your pain. Right. I have a theme that's come up the last six months is that, again, you described it so perfectly. I can't want to try to encapsulate it. So I mean, there's two parts of healing. You have your fight or flight physiology or stress physiology is what you have to stay alive. It's not who you are. But those sensations envelop every cell, your, every cell in your body. So it feels like who you are and you take them personally. So these survival sensations are have evolved to be intentionally very unpleasant. So, so you, you separate your identity from this stress physiology and it's protecting you. And then healing occurs with creativity and nurturing joy. That's where the right. healing actually occurs. Because you, if you're fighting the circuits and trying to fix them, then you're actually inadvertently reinforcing them. And so again, I, I love it that you did physical therapy 
and now are incorporating what I call reprogramming principles or calming principles. And I think Nobel Harari in his book, Sapiens, pointed out so clearly, whether it was 5,000 years ago, 500 years ago, or yesterday, contentment comes from being safe. Your yeah. body chemistry changes. doesn't matter what era you're in. It's about feeling safe. Right. And so you described that really nicely in the first podcast. So what I'd like to really do, because you really have this nicely encapsulated, let's say I walk into your office or I join one of your groups. Of course, I'm a guy. I know you work with women. But <laughs> you can I, still I do, come to I one do. of my yoga classes. Come to Kashokton. You can come to my yoga class. Yeah, I I, uh, I do have a feminine side. Not very much, but it's in there. So yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so this this is start from the beginning and what you do and what you have to offer and some of the some of the concepts that you offer that help people heal because i'm guessing you have a lot of success compared to the days when you were doing just physical therapy and i honestly i had a lot of success then and i think it's a lot because of my curiosity and wanting to really get to know the person and um, the, you know, that therapeutic relationship, I didn't know what I was doing, but developing a therapeutic relationship and just being really curious about people helped navigate that as a physical therapist. I feel like now it's bonus because there's all of these other things. But I think the main thing that physical therapy doesn't allow me to do is take the time to work with you. Not just those sessions, you know, 45, 30, 45, 60 minute session, but time. Uh, the women that I work with online, I had them in my yoga studio, not my studio, but a yoga studio when I was in central Ohio. So these women have been with me for seven and eight years. And, but, you know, even since the pandemic, some of them, so four years now, and we are still learning things. I tell, I say that they're kind of my muses because they still ask really great questions and they still have pain flare-ups and we still work through those. And But it's the long-term process of remembering, you know, over and over again that we have to care for our bodies. So right. that's, that's, I think, the new, what I bring that's new is just this long-term Um but what what you won't really know when you work with me is I use a very, when I look back on how I came through the process, it actually follows a yoga therapy framework. Body first, physiology second. So that's the physiology of stress that you're talking about. Then the mind, so emotional and mental health. And then intuition I think intuition is actually the part of us where fear lives. So we can either be guided by fear or we can tap into more of the wisdom of our body. And I will say that obviously my body was being, you know, my existence was being led by fear, but there was still that little ray of hope and that ray of hope and potential is down there in the intuition and then even deeper than that is spirit. So yoga, re the reason why we do yoga, and not everybody understands this, is that the practice of yoga is about remembering the divine within. And that it's an amazing and miraculous human that we are living with um, that has all kinds of potential to heal itself. So 
I use that process with everybody, but it doesn't always necessarily really show. Um, the other thing that I do because I spent so much time in academics is everything that I do that I prioritize is evidence-based. Um, and I've probably read 20 articles to make sure it's evidence-based. So I use a lot of pain neuroscience education. Um, I follow both, you know, Adrian Lowe, but also the NOI group out of Australia, Lorimer Mosley, David Butler. Right. Um, and, you know, I tweak it, I make it fit, you know, um, and the meditation that I do and even the yoga that I do for low back pain. I, last year, I, I did a, a literature review with over 60 articles, just really making sure that yoga was right for low back pain um, and really looked at the outcomes and looked at the programs that people used within the articles and, and how my approach kind of fits within that. So everything that I do is, it's almost like I don't, I mean, I, I now I trust myself, but I also just like to be validated in my own experiences and my own opinion. So I still read a lot of literature, um, breathing. There are very specific breathing techniques and styles that I use because there's research behind them. So I try to get to that resonance frequency breathing, that really slow, deep breathing with folks. Um, and then I layer on some of the more you know, biomechanical stuff, because then I get to use my eyes and observe from that physical therapist perspective. Well, when you breathe, what doesn't move, you know? Okay. Now let's do a mobility practice where we get the middle of your rib cage and your thoracic spine moving better so that we can optimize your breathing. Because I do know that the body, when it doesn't move well, that it can trigger that physical fight or flight. Right. You know, if you, can't can't breathe well if you can't you know really get that rib cage moving you can't get the diaphragm to descend then you probably will always live in fight or flight right. so it's this back and forth dance you know along all of those layers and however the person presents that's where i'm going to give my attention so so by the way to the audience um the historically in my medical world like a breathing in yoga, it's meditation, is yeah, yeah, whatever. It's like, okay, this is called psychological. <clears throat> there is profoundly deep data showing that these practices are anti-inflammatory. They slow down your metabolism. They decrease your neurosensitivity. They, you put fuel back into the cells. So the, you're actually stimulating your body to heal and regenerate. And that's why I quit my surgical practice is because what we're doing in spine surgery had no data. We're actively hurting people badly. And these practices have, they they not only work, they have very deep data supporting them. Like there's one simple exercise, which you're probably familiar with called expressive writing. Have you used that one before? I use that. Um, so you know. there's, a, there's a book out by Dr. Pennybaker called Opening Up by Writing It Down. Dr. Pennybaker yeah. has been on our group several times. There's over 2,200 research papers documented expressive writing works. Yeah. And half of those are really nicely designed randomized studies. And we talked to Dr. Pennybaker, and you know, that was published in 1986. That was never taught to us in medical school. So there's 
I'm just going to rant for a second. I mean, mainstream medicine right now is for chronic disease, not acute disease, but for chronic disease. We have no data. We are way off base. So by not having the data, we're actually hurting people. And the reason I quit my practice is in, in spine surgery. Do you know what the success rate of a spine fusion is for back pain by chance? Very low. 22%. <clears throat> and when you do surgery in the presence of a sensitized nervous system, you, you actually you this you actually can induce chronic pain or make it worse 40 right. to 60 percent of the time right so you have double the chance of making somebody worse with back pain surgery not better and five to ten percent of the time that can become a permanent problem which is a horrendous problem inducing chronic pain then i was a salvage guy people would have 5 10 15 operations before they got to me the record guy was 29 surgeries in 20 years. And of course, in physical therapy, you saw this all the time. Yes, all the so time. So I'll just say it over and over again for chronic disease, especially chronic back pain, mainstream medicine does not have any data. Yep. So you struck a chord with me that you are correct. What you're doing is absolutely data-based and mainstream medicine is flat out ignoring it. So I'm excited to see combining the physical modalities with the relaxing modalities, with you know stretching, strengthening, all these things change the body's chemistry and they work directly on the tissues. So that combined approach has been really, really wonderful. And, you know, then I'll just have one final rant before I let you actually go constructive again, is that we have no data, but we get negative on people like yourself who are actually doing the data, actually getting people better. We have no data. We're actually hurting people. So right now, spine surgery has $20 billion a year operating on normally aging spines that have been documented not to cause back pain. I know. And I'm sure, did, I'm guessing a big part of your physical therapy practice was dealing with failed back surgery. Absolutely. You said you're the salvage guy. I'm the salvage gal. <laughs> you know, you can't have another surgery. Go see physical therapy. <laughs> right. You know, or, you know, one of my favorites is to get the MRI, you need to do physical therapy first. That's what they tell the patient. And then I tell the patient, I'm like, okay, you can get physical therapy. And we don't even, I don't even need an MRI. Right. I don't, I don't need an MRI to tell me what's wrong with you. Right. You know, and I can save, I can save tons of money. And I've kind of, you know, I, cause I had a, a my one paper that I did was with um, um, an epidemiologist who also was an economics um health policy guy. And we had these discussions over and over again, you know, like physical therapy is such a low cost, um, you know, treatment, but yet we, we don't give it the time and attention that it needs to work, you know, and also layer on some of these other treatments, which I don't have any trouble billing for, you know, neuromuscular re-education. Right. When somebody after a session now has really soft upper traps or really soft low back muscles or rates their pain two points less after a session with me and their rib cage can expand and their diaphragm can lower, you know, that's a great treatment session, you know? Right. Um, I have no trouble billing out neuromuscular re-education because I am training the nervous system um, to respond differently. And the key is, what is it responding to? That's what a lot of people don't realize. What is my nervous system responding to? They don't even know. Right. And so 
a lot of the talking that I do with people is this investigation about when do you feel that? You know, first I have to train them to feel. Right. And then we have to, you know, recognize in the moment. That's why mindfulness is important because it's recognizing in the moment, oh, I'm beginning to feel this tension in my neck. What's going on? What's yeah. happening? Oh, all I did was answer an email. Well, an email from who? And what is it about? Like, you know, getting really down into the fine details about what is it that triggers the stress response in you that sends you to an into a cycle of pain? Well, I mean, here's the problem. I mean, stress translates into physiology, translates into symptoms. So it's the interaction between your stresses and your coping skills that determines the physiology. So we're not given time to know our patients. We don't know your coping skills. We're not addressing stress physiology. We're treating only symptoms, which yeah. can't work and it doesn't work. No. No. But you also mentioned something I really want to get back to is that I haven't learned, my pain psychologist taught this to me, but the number one factor that determines healing is the patient clinician relationship. Yeah. Because you feel safe. In modern medicine, we don't have time to allow you to feel safe. So people now feel threatened by going to their um, medical providers. And so it's the opposite of feeling safe. And they were doing surgery on one visit. I know. And so it's really brutal right now. So medicine is predatory. It's taking advantage of people. It's the business of medicine that has taken it out of our hands. I mean, doctors are well-intentioned people. Physical therapists are, but we're actually being kidnapped by yeah. the business of medicine. The system, the business. So, I go back, so anyway, I would point out that a major factor that I have my techniques, you have yours, but the biggest factor was actually listening to the patient. People yeah. want to feel hurt. Yep. And if you don't feel hurt, you get frustrated, which is inflammatory. It makes yeah. your pain worse. Right. And then you're adding on again, the yoga, the, the education, all those things allow your nervous system to calm down. And a calm nervous system has a harder time experiencing pain. And yep. then so- More resilient to it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so- um, so just to summarize it in my words, you obviously assess patients. They want to find out what's going on. You get to know them as a person. You get to know their coping skills. You're addressing musculoskeletal work. You're helping them calm down. You're adding in other modalities as needed. So it is a multi-pronged approach. And I do agree when I was in practice my first 10 years, if somebody, quote, failed physical therapy, then they were, quote, a surgical candidate. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth because you, no. that's what I'm fascinated by your story because you did high level physical therapy for how many years? Well, I've been a physical therapist for 33 years. Um, and so up until about, well, 2016, I left the academic institution um, because I couldn't do what I wanted to do in you know, the billing situation that academic, you know, and any hospital or any private practice wants you to do, you have to get really creative and it's hard to do that within a system. <laughs> right. Well, that's the other perverse thing is that the things that actually work, the calming tools are not covered by insurance. Right. It's, it's horrendous. I mean, so we're paying for things that don't work. We're not paying for things that do work. And it's right. really perverse. And those are my, my frustrations trying to get good physical therapy even authorized. So you get to watch years doing primarily physical therapy then when you layered on these other calm and relaxation tools i'm guessing your results were much much different yeah yes for some i think my biggest frustration now is you know people come to me and they listen they go oh that's interesting 
but I'm going to go have surgery. You know, the society's ideas of what will work is very strong. And so I really, you know, the, the people that come to me are the ones that like me have that little inkling of hope, right. you know, that they, that they didn't want to go down that route. There was enough doubt and understanding of risk, which I think we're not also telling people enough about the risks of surgery that, um, you know, unless they're really educating themselves about that mode, the, the people that work with me are, they don't want to have another injection. They don't want to have, they don't want to take more medication and, they don't want to have surgery and they're looking for a strategy. And then the only thing that they really need to know is that it's going to take time. And there are some things you can do to feel immediate pain relief, but unless you do all the other work about understanding why pain is triggered in the first point, you know, the first time, then you're not going to have long lasting results. And like you said, you know, I was in pain for almost 50 years. I expect that it's going to take almost that long, maybe, to get out of pain. Hopefully not that long, but to be completely out of pain, um, you know. Well, I, I do mean, I would say, that. honestly, again, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. So with neuroplasticity, I'm convinced right. you can program your brain out of anything. I have one gentleman who had 28 surgeries in 20 years, and he's now been pain-free for seven years. I wow. did not think that was possible. He's a friend of mine. Right. I keep talking to him and he's exercising, seeing his grandkids and it's a, little, it's a bit yeah. of a story. But hence why I quit my practice because, okay, but see what patients don't know. Okay, you come to me for back pain, which seems like a really simple definitive, not simple, definitive, definitive intervention, but they don't know the success rate is 22%. Right. They also don't know the chance of making you worse is 40%. Right. The chance of making you worse is double the chance of getting you better. Why would you do that? Because they're I not know. being told. They're not being told. And what they're not really understanding is they're programmed in this surgical mindset. And then what your work is doing, and of course my work also, similar pathways, it, there's no risk. Right. Zero there's risk. There's no risk. And then I'm going to estimate if you decide to do the repetitions and put it in the time, again, repetition, 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 there's a very high chance of getting better, probably well over 90%. Now, if you don't do the work or repetitions, nothing's going to change. Right. And when you read in my book, isn't going to do anything. So you have to, it's like learn how to play the piano. You got to train yourself. Right. It's you all train about your training brain to nurture joy. The healing occurs with creativity. And so that's, so I use a process that I call peace where each letter stands for something. And the P is practice. Right. Okay. Consistently. You have to practice consistently. Now what you practice is up to you. You know, my toolbox is big. So Um, What you practice, as long as it's addressing the nervous system, your nervous system, then it's going to work. And, and it doesn't get boring because there's so many ways that you can practice. If you don't, if you want to change, okay, let's try something else. Like there's just so many ways to practice, you know, getting yourself out of pain. I do think education is important, is important. And, And the education that I like to focus on is educating you about you, right? Those triggers of stress, the feeling of the stress response, you have to pay attention inside 
more than anything else. All of the other bits of education that I have are, are really interesting because a lot of times it validates how people feel and they, they go, oh, that's why I'm still in pain. Um, but I think the most important education is about this person. And then I also do, the A is align. I think we need to get really aligned with our values. And so writing comes into play with that. I think the expressive writing, um, doing a values appraisal is really important to understand what's important to you. Then you know when to say yes and when to say no. <clears throat> C is create. You've got to create new habits. And that kind of goes back to the practice. All of these are sort of cyclical. Nothing is linear, but you have to create new ways to manage. And then E is empowered. And empowering yourself to care for yourself does not mean that you'll never have to ask for help, right? You might need surgery, but I want you to go into surgery being the best that you possibly can and getting as little done as possible. <laughs> I told right. so, I told that a patient recently, I said, I, you know, I want you to know what the surgery is that you're having because she didn't right. know. And I right. said, and I want you to have the least little amount done as possible. They're just snipping a little bit of the disc away. Great. That's all you need done. My micro disectomy, but you know, you're not saying you're not, you don't need a fusion. You don't need two levels. You probably only need one level. Right. Her, right. Her nervous, the, the symptoms matched the movement, matched her pain, matched MRI findings, matched everything. Everything was matching up. So do right. this, but not this. Right. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we, I could talk to you for a long time and we may do another podcast here, but I mean, almost everything you said today, word for word, was also the same conclusions also, you know, over 30 years myself of doing this and watching the process here. So I'm super excited about what you're doing. Um, I'm excited that we, I mean, to me, I use words reassurance, you know, people come to the same conclusions in, in principle because the healing principles are the same. It's not magic here. I mean, we're down to basic research, basic science. My personal vision is connecting medicine to the science, which it's not. So right. as you connect medicine to the data and the science, your body knows how to heal. It's not yep. me. It's not you. It's how your body can react and you can help yourself heal. So I know you do have resources. Could you um, let us know how to access your resources? Right. So you can find me. My website is stephaniecarterkelly.com. You can look around a little bit on my website, some videos, some blogs, and there's a page there where you can connect to me um, or email me at info at stephaniecarterkelly.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Stephanie Carter Kelly. Um, and those will, that'll get you to me. Direct okay. message me. Let's start a conversation. Um, you know, I like to really know what's going on to make sure that it's a right fit. And just to be clear, we did we skipped over this a little bit. You work primarily, actually, only with women at this point, right? Right. I work with women, um, mature women. I am beyond like new mom stage of my life, and I could, but I have some other wonderful resources of physical therapists that are also integrating a lot of this pain science and yoga and other calming practices. So I also feel like I'm a resource to helping people find the right person out there. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd love to talk to, I love to talk to folks and see what's okay. going on. Well, Sammy, thank you very, very much. I enjoyed this conversation immensely and um, thank you. Thank you so much.
I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Stephanie Carter-Kelly, for being on the show today and explaining her integrative approach to physical therapy and the five steps to healing chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.